could, um, but they, they didn't want to let us in until 7 a.m., um, which is good news for those of you on the setup crew. It means you don't have to get here until 7 um, now, but, but for those of you who can do math, um, a 7 a.m. school to a 9 a.m. church service is, uh, if Jesus was doing it, it might be possible, um, but Jesus is not on our setup team, at least not as of now. Um, he doesn't physically come down, and so that's just not enough window, and so we, uh, we need to push our service times back um, a little bit, and so starting March 20th in Trail Ridge, uh, our service times are going to be 9.30 and 11, um, which means if you come to this service, you get 30 more minutes of sleep. Um, and if you go to the, the 1045 service, we're going to start a little bit later. Um, and we're going to, as, as much as possible, try to condense our service so that we protect that community time in between service, two services as well. So even though there's little, a smaller amount of time in between services, we're hoping to keep that, that space open. So, so if, you have, uh, if you need to write that down, so we're gonna remember, remember 9.30 and 11. Or just try to get here at 9 and maybe you'll get here by 9.30 anyway. Uh, so that, that could be the plan as well. Um, but we're in Matthew 7 this morning, um, a really interesting passage that I'm excited to, to work through with you this morning. So let's pray, ask for God's help, and then jump in. God, Jesus' warning to, to not judge, um, man, we need to hear that. I need to hear that. And so, God, our hearts are, are often in a place, where at least my heart is, where I, I see the judgmentalness of others, but I miss it from myself. That for me, it's always justified, it's always right. I see the truth. <laughs> And yet, God, Jesus is really pushing into our hearts here, something deeply broken and wrong with us. So would you help us, would you help us see this morning, we ask. Amen. Well, this is, to me, one of the strangest few verses in, in all the Bible. That the first uh, five verses, I think, are, are probably the, our favorites, maybe, in, in our culture, in all of the Bible. It's something we, as a culture, identify with. Right? Judge not that you not be judged. Right? Don't, don't think yourself better than others. Don't write other people off. Don't sneer at other people. We, we agree with that. That if, if I've had a verse more than anything else, any other, quoted to me, either by Christians or mostly especially by non-Christians, it's this verse. Judge not that you not be judged. That if we had a life verse as a culture, this would be it. Don't judge me. Don't judge. But then... In verse 6, Jesus says, oh, and, and don't throw pearls to pigs. Don't throw what's holy to dogs. Right, which seems like a total change. Like Jesus in the first, he's, he's, first few verses is saying, don't judge. And in the last verse, he says, well, because there's, there's some real pigs out there. Right, don't judge, because you got to look out for the dogs. They'll come and get you. Right, it's like, how do these two things even remotely begin to connect with one another? Well, we don't understand, Jesus, why these two verses connect or how these two verses connect because we have a problem with verse 1. We can't get past verse 1, which is why we can't understand verse 6. But human beings, we're judgmental. But I would even say to be human is to be judgmental. I mean, think about our politics. Those on the left and right, they don't just disagree with one another. They, they disdain one another. And for those of you who think it's worse today than it was 100, 150 years ago, like people used to kill each other over that now. At least, at least we're slightly better than that at this point. Or think about how, how we raise our kids, how we judge people the way they raise their kids, and how, we, how what we're doing is so much superior to what they're doing. Or think about schooling choices, from homeschooling to private schooling to public schooling to private Christian schooling. Like There's all kinds of opportunities for us to judge others there. The rich judge the poor, the poor judge the rich, 
The suburbanites judge the urbanites. The urbanites judge us. I and mean, we judge each other for anything we could think of. The moment we start doing something as human beings, we start thinking about how we're doing it better than those people. But to be human is to be judgmental. And it's why when, when Jesus gets to verse 6, we don't understand what he's saying. Why it sounds like he's saying, don't judge because of those pigs. That we need to get verse 1 before we can get verse 6. And if you remember last week, one of the things that, that we said was that if, the reason you and I worry, the reason we have anxiety is because we don't see the real world. We don't see God at work in the world around us. We don't see him caring for, for the birds among us. We can't see him planting flowers. We don't see him at work intimately in our creation. That's why we worry so much. And similarly this week, the reason you and I judge, the reason we are so judgmental as human beings is we don't see. We don't see ourselves rightly, which means we can't see other people rightly. Which means we need, we need new eyes. The eyes you and I have are far too judgmental. And so let's look at these six verses. Six pretty simple verses, but very direct. With first, why, why, you can't see our, why we can't see ourselves rightly. Right? You can't see yourself rightly. That's why you can't see others rightly. And thirdly, the new eyes. How, how to have new eyes. So first, we don't see ourselves. You don't see yourself rightly. It's important to note, at least in the first verse, Jesus is trying to throw some humor into the conversation here. That what he's saying is when you see a flaw in another person, right, a speck in their eye, what you need to do is you, you first need to go look in the mirror. It's your own life. And when you get to the mirror, what you're going to find is that you have not a speck in your eye, but a, a log sticking out of your eye. Now, literally, the word Jesus used there he's, is, is the word for a beam for a house, like a roof of a house. And so I, I thought about, and a few of us preachers have thought about bringing two-by-fours up for, with us during this, this part of the sermon, have it sticking out of our head to illustrate. This is, Jesus is saying, this is how ridiculous you are. Like you have this log out of your, fa- out of your face while you're t- pointing out specks in other people's eyes. But the, the problem is a two-by-four does not quite get enough at the flaws, the significance of my flaws in my life. That to illustrate to you how flawed I am as a person, I would have had to take my roof apart and bring one of those beams over and carry that. And I'm not strong enough to lift that beam. That is how flawed we are. We have beams that could lay the, the foundation to a house or b- put a roof on a house sticking out of our heads. That's how ridiculous we are. But we don't think like that. We don't see ourselves rightly. That I, I've been a human being most of my life, and one of the things I've noticed about human beings is we have terrible self-observation skills. Right? Think American Idol, people who think they can really sing, they can't. People who get onto the America's Got Talent, who think they have talents, who don't. Right? People who look at their, their phone nonstop, right? Have you seen these people, right? I, I like to look at them while they like walk into stuff, and then I go back to looking at my own phone, right? It's, we judge people for all kinds of, of things. And, and most of all, when people confront our own flaws in us, we turn back and show, well, your flaws are worse. Let's talk about you for a minute. That we read Matthew 7 and think Jesus has it backwards. Like, no, Jesus, I, I'm the one with the speck. Everyone else has got the beam in their, their face. Right? That Jesus comes to us and says, listen, you have, a, you have a serious problem. Your flaws are so significant. It's like a beam is growing out of your head. And Jesus, or we say back to Jesus, I don't, I, don't, I don't see a beam. And Jesus says back to us, exactly. That's your problem. You don't see yourself rightly. And so let me just speak to the Christians only. In the room for a moment. In the book Unchristian, David Kinnaman shares the findings of a study that the Barna Group did recently where they, they wanted to find out how do non Christians 
perceive Christians in, in their mind. And one of the top words that non-Christians use of Christians is judgmental. That when a non-Christian thinks of us, one of the first words that pops into their mind is, is judgmental. And so it's summarizing what they found. Here's what, what Kinnaman wrote. It says, they, non-Christians, believe we are more interested in proving that we are right than that God is right. They say Christians are more focused on condemning people than people becoming more like Jesus. And so to confirm that statistical study, I did what any good research um, researcher would do. I, I turned to Google this week. Um, and I don't know if you notice this when you Google. Google like tries to finish your sentence for you, tries to figure out what you're Googling. And they're kind of right at a frequently high rate. Right? They know what I'm looking for before I even go looking for it. And so we, we tried that. We, we typed in the three words um, as a teaching team this week. Why are Christians? And let Google finish the thought for us. And Google finishes the sentence like this. Why are Christians dot, 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 so mean? And Christians, I, I just want to be, no excuses here. No pointing at other people, no saying, but they, but they just said, it's our morality, it's, well, it's, no. We are so judgmental, people have to Google to find out why we're so mean. One of the first words that pops into the minds of people who don't go to church is, of us, is judgmental. We need to listen to what Jesus is saying to us here. He's warning us about people looking at us like that. But let me, let me bring the, the non-Christians back into the room for a minute. This, this is a warning we all need to hear. To be human, you have a judgmentalness problem. Every human being has one. That's why he's warning Jesus so aggressively in verse 1. And, and even his warning, even though there's humor attached right after that, if you reflect on his warning here, it's actually pretty, it's pretty heartbreaking. It's pretty, it's pretty scary to some extent. Right? The verse 1 reads, Judge not that you not be judged. Well, why? Well, Jesus tells you, For with the judgment you pronounce... You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, as much as our culture loves the first half of verse 1, judge not that you not be judged, the second part we don't like. Because Jesus is saying, you should not be judgmental because you're going to be judged one day. And God is going to judge you the way you have judged other people. Which is really terrible news when you reflect on it. And again, yeah, let's acknowledge all of us, and I would say even those of us in that are Christians in the room, we have a hard time acknowledging that there will be a judgment at the end of time, right? That, that if, especially if, if people are not Christians, that's generally one of the reasons they give. How could God be a judge? It seems ridiculous. That seems cruel and mean. And yet, I just want to pause and note the irony that we, who are incredibly judgmental of everyone else around us, look up at God and think, well, there's no way he's judgmental. There's no way he'll judge anybody. It's a little bit hypocritical. It's a little bit of a double standard, but... Even, if, that's, even if, if we push beyond that, do you see how Jesus talks about judgment here? He basically says, listen, the way you judge others is how God's going to judge you. That seems fair to me. So think, think of it like this. Most of us, we have iPhones or some kind of device we carry around with us now, some smart tablet or smartphone. Um, let's say Jesus, he puts an app on your device. And that app, every time that you start saying to someone else, you ought, you should, you make a demand of them, you get angry when they don't live up to your standards, it just records you. It just records every expectation you make of another person, every time you say you ought, you should. And on Judgment Day, then, as you're standing before Jesus God, he's just going to open the app up and he's going to play back every expectation you made to every person in your entire life. Spend some time reflecting on that and 
and you'll, be get, you'll get depressed fast because you, you cannot stand in that judgment. You cannot. You don't live up to your own standards and you don't live up to the standards you put on other people. You don't. I felt this this week, actually. There, there was um, an interview, I don't know if you saw this, that, uh, that Hillary Clinton gave to Scott Pelley of, of CBS News. And he asked her a simple question, um, which was, have you always told the truth? I don't know if you saw her reaction to this. It was, it was pretty humorous. She, she shifted in her seat. She got kind of a, the, the smile you get on your face when you're not, about to not tell the truth. And, and she, re, she responded, well, I, I've always tried to. Which is like, man, I said that in high school all the time when I was getting out, trying to get out of a lie, right? I mean, it's, it was so obviously she was uncomfortable. She wasn't telling the truth. And so this week, the media, the conservatives, even many liberals, just sneered at her and disdained her and looked down on her. She says, what a liar. What a dis- dishonest person. And I, listen, I jumped in. It was a, it's a ridiculous clip. You should watch it. You'll get a good laugh out of it until you think about what I'm about to tell you, which is I, I saw a tweet from a Christian leader who absolutely does not share Hillary Clinton's po- uh, politics but in the tweet, he asked, he asked this question. What would you look like if on national television someone asked you, have you always told the truth? I'd have two options in that moment. Do exactly what Hillary Clinton did and make a fool out of myself. Or say no. I haven't always told the truth. And look up at the giant beam sticking out of my face. Listen, I, this week I had no problem judging and condemning and sneering and disdaining someone who does everything I do. Had no trouble feeling superior, feeling better than someone who does the same things that I have done. And it's why, even though Jesus is trying to bring some humor out into our judgmental spirit, he gets very serious in verse 5. He puts two words at the front of verse 5. And it's, it's a universal two words for every human being. He says, you hypocrites. You judge others for the very things you do. You hypocrites. You don't see yourself rightly. Which is why then you and I, we don't see others rightly. It's why I can watch a clip of someone else doing the same thing I do and, and sneer at them, disdain them. Because here's the deal. When you finally begin to see yourself rightly, it means you're going to be filled with compassion for those who have specks in their eyes, for those who sin. And when you begin to sit down and really wrestle with your own flaws, what you'll find is, is you'll stop being angry and stop being so judgmental of the people around you, right? That your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your friends, you'll stop being so judgmental because you begin to realize what they have to put up with with you, right? You can put up with their speck because they're putting up with your beam every day. And as you begin to take that in, as you begin to see yourself rightly and see others rightly, I think it leads to two, two realities that work out in our lives. That one, you, we begin to care for others Actually for their good and not to get even, not to prove ourselves right. right? A lot of people think when Jesus says, do not judge, that's all he says. Like, right? like keep your opinions to yourself. You can't think any, what anyone else is doing is wrong. But he's not saying that. There's no way he could be saying that because later in verse 5, he'll say, well, listen, the reason you need to get that beam, you need to take care of it, you need to see it, is because you want to help the person. right? So you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That matters To Jesus, he's not just saying it doesn't matter what anybody thinks or does, just keep your opinions to yourself. That's how our culture views this verse, but it's wrong. Jesus is saying you need to deal with the beam in your face because the specks in your brothers, your sisters, your family's eyes, they matter. 
And only until you see yourself rightly can you see your brother, your sister clearly. Only when you take care of the beam can you begin to actually look at the speck. And when you do that, right, when you begin to see the, the depth of your own brokenness and the, the brokenness of your, the people around you, right, that you've got a beam, they have a speck, you'll care for them for their good, not for your way. So one, you begin to care for the good of, of your brother or your sister. Two, you'll serve. You'll be a person of service. Right, the default human position is I'm here and you're down there. I'm over here, I'm, I'm over you. And over the past few weeks, we've tried to say that as Jesus has worked through the Sermon on the Mount, there are are corresponding spiritual disciplines to get at the sins that Jesus is pulling out of you here, right? So a few weeks ago, we talked about not living for the approval of people, for the appearance of of humanity. And we said, you need the discipline of secrecy. You need to go and do things in private that no one else sees to begin to combat that desire for you to live for the approval of others. And when we talked about worry, we said that that you need Sunday worship. You need to come into the real world and see God at work to to listen to his word. That when we we did the sermon on money and greed, we said you need to get the discipline of generosity. You've got to to practice generosity to kill the sin of greed in your your heart. And I would say if you want to kill the sin of judgmentalism in your heart, you need to serve. Intentionally carve out space in your life where you are lower than other people. At work, at your home, with your kids, with your friends. You need to intentionally carve out space to serve. And I would say, listen, a part of that rhythm should be serving here in, in the local church. And so Andrew mentioned this earlier. We're getting ready to move to, to Trail Ridge. It's created a, a number of, of needs. And, and I would just encourage you, there, there's three big areas that we have as, as a church, week in, week out. One is, is our host team, right? It's greeting people as they come in the door. It's making coffee. Um, it's our, our children's ministry team, anywhere from safety and making sure weird people don't go back there to check-in, to teaching in classroom, to just being a helper in the classroom. Um, and our setup and, and teardown team, right? All of this that you see up right now, it all goes away into a box or into a room somewhere by the end of, of today. We, and we need, we, listen, we need lots of help. So we have sign-ups after service that one of the things we, we're, we're asking every person, if you call this church home, to be involved in one of those three areas at least twice a month. To at least twice a month be engaged in our children's ministry, set up and tear down, or our host, host team. Unless I get a pastor, of course, you'd say, well, hey, we have volunteer needs, we need you to... But I'm not saying that for that reason. I'm saying that because you and I have got to get into places where we serve. In our, the places we are regularly, work, home, church, we need to get under people. Because if we don't, we're going to live over top of them. And look down on them and sneer at them. Because as you serve others, you begin to have new eyes for them. You begin to see them in different light. But that's, that's listen, that's not all we need. We don't just need to see ourselves rightly, see others rightly. We, this is something we need a whole new set of eyes, which is where Jesus goes in, in verse 6. And verse 6 is incredibly confusing. I'm going to read it again. Here's what, what Jesus says. He says, don't judge, right? Don't be judgmental. Don't, don't scoff at others. Don't look down on them. And he says this. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, what in the world is he talking about there? Well, anytime you get to a confusing uh, Bible verse, one of the, the most important things to do is find out what you can know and then work your way out. And so there's one thing we can know from this verse, what Jesus is talking about. When he, when he talks about a pearl here, like don't, th- don't throw your pearls uh, to pigs, what, we know what he means by pearl because later in Matthew 13, Jesus, the only other place he's going to use the word pearl is there described of, of a jeweler who finds the most perfect pearl he's ever seen in his entire life. 
the, the best, most beautiful pearl he's ever seen. And so he sells all of his possession, all, of, all that he can to get that pearl, to have that pearl. And Jesus says that pearl, it's the kingdom, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom of, of God. The gospel is so valuable, it's so beautiful, it, you should give up anything or be willing to give up anything to get it. And so what Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to pigs. He say, he's talking about the gospel. Don't throw the gospel out to pigs, which what in the world, <laughs> what does that mean? And as usual, Tim Keller was really helpful for me in, in unpacking and in, in, in talking about what Jesus means here. That, that in that day, dogs, many of them were wild, but some of them were domesticated, like pets. Like we have uh, pets, um, dogs. And, and so were pigs. Pigs were animals. They were domesticated. So if you had a dog or pig in your care, you were, you were to feed it. You were to care for it. You were to, um, to, to, to watch over it. And so if you have an animal in your care, you generally don't feed it pearls. Right, kids? Those of you who have an animal at home, my guess is you've never gone into your mom's jewelry box, taken some stuff, and put it in the food bowl. Because they're not going to eat it. Right? So Jesus is saying, don't, don't give something unedible, something not just unedible, but beautiful, wonderful, to an animal that has no clue what you've just put in front of it. No idea. But what does that mean? Right? It's, still, it's still confusing to me. Here, here's what I think Jesus is saying. That we know what the pearl is. It's the gospel. And Jesus is saying that there are going to be people that you, you take the gospel to who just are not going to have any category. Who are not going to be able to begin to understand what it is you've just put in front of them. No comprehension. No capacity. Like a pearl in front of a pig. Right, think of a plant. A plant experiences life in very, in very few ways. Right? It can process sunlight. It can do a few other things. It's very limited. Think of a plant compared to an animal. Right? An animal can move around. It can run. It can do some emotions. It, it can interact in, in certain ways. Right? A plant experiences life in a totally different way than an animal. And Think from an animal to a human being. Right? Human beings, we can talk. We can converse. We can... can, can Think through things like injustice and justice. We, we experience life on a far different level than, than an animal. And I think what Jesus is getting at is, is if, you, if you do not see the value of the gospel, if you don't know what the gospel really is, you're not going to experience life in the way Jesus talks about. Right? Think of the difference then between how a Christian should experience life and someone who's not a Christian. That Jesus, when he came, he offered eternal life. Right? And when Jesus said eternal life, we have to, to keep in mind, he's not just saying you can live forever. He's not talking about just quantity, like how long, but he's also talking about qualities. He's, he's I've, I've come to bring life, bring it to the full. And without Jesus, uh, the gospel, it's a pearl, you don't, you, but you don't see it. You're a pig. It's, it's, you can't process what, what's been put in front of you. But the moment you can, the moment you begin to see the pearl, you begin to experience and sense a whole new reality of life. The first, you begin to sense your own sin and brokenness, right? You know there's a beam sticking out of your head. You know God is going to judge you. You don't have a chance at that judgment. You have a sense of your brokenness, your emptiness. You know you're deeply flawed. You know your hypocrisy. You have no trouble singing, come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Or an amazing grace, you have no problem singing, what a wretch I am. Right? When the gospel comes into your life, you have this awakened sense of your own brokenness. And alongside of that, an awakened sense of the beauty and goodness and grace of God. But without, without those new eyes that the gospel gives us, you don't really sense your sin. It, it doesn't hit home. 
with you. The grace of God, it's, it's, it's an idea, but it hasn't hit into your heart in a, in a gut level. It's just, it's like a pearl in front of a pig. What am I supposed to do with this? This isn't helpful. And that's what Jesus is, is getting at. So in this context, when he says, don't throw your pearls to pigs, we have to first remember this is a parable, it's an image, right? Earlier when Jesus was talking about people who struggle with lust, he said, hey, if you struggle with lust, gouge out your eyes, right? He wasn't being literal at that point, but he was giving you an image. Like, this is so serious, you need to, to attack your lust with, with, with seriousness. And so here when he says, don't throw your pearls to pigs, there's a number of implications to what Jesus is saying. Four in particular that I want to bring out this morning. That as we think through how, as we, as we give the gospel to others, four things we have to think through. One, we must have patience with others who don't see the value of, of the pearl. Right, remember the context of this passage. Jesus is commanding you not to be judgmental. And if you're a Christian, the Bible says repeatedly that human beings, we have a spiritual imperception problem. We do not see the world around us. We don't see ourselves accurately. That every human being is a pig who has no idea what the pearl of the gospel is, apart from the eyes of Jesus that he gives to us. Which should mean that Christians, we should be the least judgmental people on the face of the earth. Even though we're not, we should be. We should have the most patience when other people fail to see what the gospel is, why it matters, why it's valuable. We should have no, no ability to, to not empathize with the fact, listen, it is, and this is, listen, if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound really offensive, I'm going to get to it later, but without the eyes of Christ, the gospel is nothing more than a pearl in front of a pig. They can't process it. So have patience when other people keep making the same mistakes, the same failures, the same sins over and over again. They don't yet have eyes to see. So one, have patience for those who don't see the value of the gospel. Two, let Jesus kill the pig in you. All right, we, we human beings, we tend to be really patient with our own sins. Right? We, know, we know why. There's all sorts of reasons, let me tell you, like all of them. Can we, we had an hour. Can I tell you all the reasons why I sinned this week? All right? We have all a long list of reasons why we, we make our mistakes. But if you follow Jesus, we should not be most patient with our sins and most impatient with the sins of others. It should be flipped. We should be most impatient with our sins. And most patient with the sins of those around us. And so when others crit criticize you, when they point out the flaws in you, are you like the pig in the passage Jesus talks about? Do you bite back? Do you turn around and, and try to tear that person apart? Point out their flaws that are, are much worse. Now, Christians, we should be incredibly impatient with our sins. And when people begin to point out the flaws in us, we want to kill that part of us. It's a beam. It's got to go. Who cares what their issues are? Your issues are on the table. Let's deal with them. All right, so, so the first implication in this verse, you should have incredible patience for those who don't believe. And secondly, you should have incredible impatience for yourself. Deal with the flaws that are in you. Third implication then out of this verse is that, that you, you have to show how the gospel has been worked out for you personally. That when Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to pigs, the word throw appeared earlier in Matthew 5 with the salt and light passage, where Jesus says, once salt becomes worthless, you just throw it out. People trample under it, right? Very similar to what he's saying here. Once salt is worthless, you throw it out on the ground and people trample under it. So how does, it, how does that relate to here? Well, don't throw the gospel out to people like it's trash. Don't throw it out in a way that all they're going to do is just trample over it. And, and here's what I mean. When I, was, when I was a kid, I went to the Indy 500 every year. It's a pretty amazing event. If you've never gone, you should. Over 300,000 people are there. 
And one year I went, it was incredibly hot. I mean, like muggy, stupidly humid. humid. It, was, it was ridiculous, sweating like crazy. Race ends, I'm walking out in the midst of thousands of people. We're all hot, it's gross, it stinks, it's just terrible. And, and down like maybe 50 yards or so in front of us is this guy with this giant pole. And on top of the pole is a sign. And the sign read, if you think it's hot today, wait till hell. Which is exactly what Jesus is telling you. Don't do that. And people, to, listen, I'm a Christian. I believe, I believe hell is real. But I also think people rightfully mocked that guy as they walked past him. They trampled the gospel under his feet because he threw it out like it was trash. That you and I, the gospel, it is our pearl. It's not a list of platitudes we give to people and throw on them. It's not empty cliches we share with people when they they weren't interested. The gospel, the pearl, is how you are a different person because Jesus has entered your life. It's why I'm not angry anymore. It's why there's any piece of compassion, any whatsoever in my heart. The gospel is personal, and you have to show that to others. Work it out for them. It is your pearl. Don't just throw it on the ground for them to trample under it and turn around and attack you. How has Jesus made it? How have you seen the beauty of Christ? How are you different because of Jesus? You share that with people and they, can, they will not thumb their nose at you. They will not sneer at you. They will listen. But tell them it's, it's hot today. Wait till hot. They're going to they're gonna mock you and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Jesus here says they're going to turn and trample you if you do that. Work out and show how the gospel is personal to you. It's your pearl. You'd sell anything to keep it, to have it, to get it. So what have you sold? What have you given up? How are you different? Share that with others. It's the third implication. Fourth, and this is the most important one. You have to remember faith is a miracle. When the Bible talks about faith, it talks about it as, as dead people become alive. Ephesians 2. It's, it's people who are born being born again. John 3. And here Jesus says it's It's a pig seeing the value of a pearl. Faith is a miracle. And so maybe this is the moment where I speak to those of you, maybe you're not a Christian and you're like, this sounds really offensive, right? That Jesus is saying non-Christians are are pigs. That sounds sounds just sounds awful. And and maybe even say, well, that's why Christians are so judgmental. You think everyone else is pigs and you're you're experiencing life on a on a higher higher level. And listen, I understand why you might think that, but I, I'm convinced the gospel is the only way human beings will stop being judgmental. It's the only way. And it shows you how hard it is to stop being judgmental when many people who believe the gospel still are judgmental. That we all have this problem. We are all judgmental against those who have a different life than we have. And so let's think about that. Why are we so judgmental as human beings? Right? Why, why did I look at Hillary Clinton this week and say, well, I, I don't lie like that. Or why do we look at other parents and say, I'd never say that to my kids? Why do we look at coworkers and say, I work, at least I work harder than them? At least I put in my, my work in the week. Or why do we look at family members, friends, that they make the same mistake over and over again and just say, I'm glad I'm not as messed up as they are? Why do we do that? It's because, listen, in our nature is the idea that I'm in a higher class of human beings than other human beings. Right? I'm up here, everyone else is down here. And it doesn't matter what your life philosophy it is, it all boils down to that. I, here's my law, I keep it, and everyone else doesn't, and that's why I'm better. And the only way to reduce 
or to get rid of judgmentalism is to, to remove that tear and make everyone the same level. Which is what the gospel does. The gospel, as Jesus is saying here, the gospel says we're all pigs. We're all equal. We're all eating at our trough and a pearl gets thrown into the midst. And none of us have any idea what's in front of us. Not a single one. We are equally piggish. Not that I was a pig eating at my trough, unable to have any clue what a pearl would have been if it had been thrown in front of me. That a huge chunk of my life, I had no idea what the gospel really was, what Jesus had really done, what it really meant that he went to a cross for me. Right? I was a pig. I had no category for a pearl. I just wanted food. Just give, me, just give me more corn. That's all I want, right? I do not know what a pearl is. In the gospel, listen, it should kill any judgmentalness in us because we started as pigs, Right? We started as pigs. And it should be impossible to simultaneously believe the gospel and think yourself better than anyone. It's impossible. And if you do start thinking yourself better than anyone, it means you don't believe the gospel enough yet. You don't. Because the gospel says you are a pig like they are. But that's not the only reason I think the gospel can make, can actually eradicate our judgmentalism. Why the gospel is the only hope that the other is, because think about what the gospel is. What is the gospel? Right, so Jesus, the true pearl, came and was surrounded by dogs who tore him apart, viciously killed him. Right, that the only human being who ever lived, if the gospel's right, the only human being who ever lived, who actually didn't sin, who actually had the right to look down on others, to write us off, to sneer at us, to disdain us, the only human being who actually had the right to do that is the only human being who didn't. And when Jesus was on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22. And you know what Psalm 22, the middle section says? It says this, dogs surround me. Sound familiar to verse 6? Dogs surround me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. That Jesus brought his gospel to this world even though he knew we would turn on him. He brought his pearl into the world even though we would, would like pigs and dogs turn around and trample him under our feet. And when we see that, when we take that in, when that is the center of our lives, how could you and I, if you are a Christian, how could you ever look down on another person? Ever think yourself superior to anyone? Ever. No matter what they do, no matter what you've done, this is what we did to Jesus. He came with his pearl and we trampled him under our feet. And the gospel says the only way you and I are ever going to ever have eyes as pigs to see the pearl of the gospel, what it is, is to see that the judgment that was owed us went on Christ instead. Right? Jesus said you will be judged for the way you judge others, which dooms us all. And Jesus came even in the midst of our hypocrisy and our judgmentalism, he came to take our judgment off our backs. And if that's my story, if that's how this pig got eyes to see, was that the judgment that was owed me was put on him, I can give up judging forever. What right do I have? Because there's a far worse image of my brokenness, of my flaws, of my sin, than a beam sticking out of my head. It's a cross. But because of that cross, and only because of that cross, this pig has eyes to see the beauty of the pearl that's set before me. Or the beauty of Christ, who does not look down on me with a judgmental spirit, but looks down from a cross and takes my judgment. 
and offers me his pearl. Let's pray. Father God, the only way we could ever see the beauty of what Christ has done for us is for you to show us and open our eyes. We are all pigs at a trough. No category for what a pearl, what Jesus is. So would you show us as we sing, as we pray, as we reflect, would you show us the beauty of Christ, we ask. Amen.